Hey, hi, welcome to the Cold Turkey Podcast. Uh, this week, I'm actually with Elisa. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting conversation, especially because she um, herself is a certified counselor in drug addiction and uh, all of addictions. And, you know, like we, we talked a lot about kind of the dynamic between um, being yourself um, sober and being a counselor and those that, you know, like do that, that job and, and, and are not drug addicts and so on. So it was, um, it was quite an interesting conversation. And also because of the fact that, you know, like there is something culturally that we don't see much in my own region in Montreal, Quebec, which is, um, the commercial or corporate private uh, sober coaching that we don't see we don't see a lot of these and um, we had a an awesome conversation and it was great meeting with Elisa and um, without wasting any more of your time just uh, let it you know that you know like if you can share the podcast let people know about the podcast so I always appreciate it and uh, without further ado here's Elisa enjoy Hey, Elisa, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, first comes first, you know, like that. I have to ask these questions during those special times. I have to ask those special questions starting up. Um, it's going to be a twofold questions. Where are you from? Where are you located? And um, how's your pandemic going? <laughs> um, so I'm from New York. Um Actually, I got sick a few months ago. So, I mean, at this point, I'm just trying to figure out what to do moving forward. And um, how's the how's your region has been uh, dealing with it? You know, like in terms of confinement, quarantining, you know, like, you know, like how is, you know, like is 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 there like um, a feeling of coming back to normal going or? Um, I think that especially in the area that I'm in now, it it seems like it's going back to normal. Um, seeing people getting together, um, more gatherings where before there wasn't as many. Um, but they actually are opening up gyms on Wednesday out here. So I think that um, they're doing pretty good. And they're supposed to be opening schools, I think, in 10 days. So I, I think that things are better. Wow. Wow. And so clo schools were actually closed since March, really? Yeah. Yeah. Everything was online. Um, I don't think there was any summer camps. I, I didn't see anything like that going on. And I know that there's a lot that they're going to be cutting back on. So like no after school. Uh, I think they said no busing. But I mean, for right now, it seems like schools are going to be open. Yeah. And, you know, like we did start school uh, as as planned in August. Uh, I mean, two three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, and and um, already, you know, like they're they're talking about you know like some nested, you know, like uh, infection in some schools, and you know, like anyways, mm -hmm. you know, like it, and and today our our um, prime minister actually told us that you know because there was we were kind of loose on our precaution 
that he, he's threatening to confine us again. I'm like, fuck off, oh, wow. fuck off. You know, like, I don't want to hear about it. You know, like, so anyways, you know, like, I freaked out reading that late uh, this afternoon. I was like, no, 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 you're not saying those words. Those are going to be mm-hmm. banned words for a while, you know, like for a big while. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, um, so glad to hear that, you know, like it, it, it's going better or mm-hmm. on on a way to better in new york yeah because yeah. i love new york ben and you know like yeah. i can't <laughs> wait to go back there um okay so as i do every week um i'm gonna rewind that tape of elisa's story and and you mm-hmm. tell me to what point do rewind it either by you witnessing someone using or by your own use yourself you know because like, sometimes mm-hmm. seeing or being witness of someone else using impacts us um equally or even more than than even us using for the first time so where do we go from where do we start this um and maybe like seven and a half years ago um well i mean we can just briefly like years before. So I started using, um, for pain management, like it wasn't anything that was recreational. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I had surgery, so I was prescribed medication and I would take that. And I think that that was probably the only time that I took it as prescribed. Um, but I was like fairly young at that point, a teenager. So that was like the first time that I actually did use. And then I would like drink here and there, smoke here and there. And that as a teenager or like in my early 20s, I don't necessarily think it was that uh, like an issue. And then a few years later than that, I like ran into somebody and I was having pain. I, I can't even remember what it was, but I was having some pain. And they were like, oh, you know, I have some Percocets. And I was like, oh, I've taken that before. Yeah, sure. You know, I'll buy them rather than, you know, getting them prescribed. So I started with that. And then it was like a fairly quick thing where it was, you know, taking the Percocets, you know, my, my use, my um, marijuana use became more to the point where it was like every day, maybe, you know, all day. Um, I would still like work and go to school, but then it was impacting. So something told me, you know what, maybe I should slow down. And I think that this was even 10, nine or 10 years ago that I told myself, all right, I'm going to slow down. So I started to slow down. Um, I mean, that was hard for the, the opioids. It was hard. I'm going to slow you down this time. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I have to ask you, what was your uh-huh. upbringing like? You know, like any siblings, any, you know, like it was there, you know, like was there any addictions prese- preceding you in, in, in your family, either close yeah. or, or further away, you know, like farther away? Yeah. So um, my uncle's in recovery. He's like 30 years. I mean, I was, my mom said that I was a baby. So I was like two years old um, when they went and like had to physically get him and take him to an inpatient. But outside of that, I mean, I'm going to say that everyone's use was either social or recreational. Um, 
So like depending some things were recreational where they would go, you know, specifically to go get high or, you know, get drunk. And then other things were social, like at a barbecue, at a party, people would use. Um, so nothing out of line, you know, like no one out yeah. of line or the you know, like kind of the caricature of the drunk uncle or you didn't have that. Yeah, no. no, see, my, my uncle was, but that was before my exactly. time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was not really like spoken about, like I would see people and I would think like, oh, maybe they're too drunk, you know, like maybe they're just drinking way too much. And, but it was like being educated now, it was a problem like binge drinking. You know, so it's like they would have their time of whatever, but they would be way too much. Yeah. So that was probably why, you know, I thought like, oh, it's not a problem. I'll just do all of this. But then, you know, I'm also working. I'm also in school. So it's not that big of a deal. So even like, like so you, you would describe that even some of your first use were um, like, you know, either spaced in time, but when, when it was a go, it was an all go. Yeah. Yeah. So like when I was a teenager and, um, I would smoke, I wasn't smoking every single day, but when I was smoking, like that was, it. we would specifically, you know, go out yep. just to smoke for whatever it was like, you know, half a Friday, all of Saturday. And like sometimes on Sunday, but then it progressed to the point where it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this and then go to school or go to work. It was like I was doing this first thing in the morning, waking up, you know, to get me out of bed, to go to school and, you know, like going places and seeing people looking at me because I smelled, you know, because I'm like holding on to the clip in my bag yep. or whatever the case is. And that's when it seemed like it was a little bit too much. And I think it was, it was definitely like the pills and the fact that my body was craving being it. impacted. Yeah. And craving it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I said, okay, you know, I, I need to definitely slow down with that. So in my head, I was okay because I wasn't using the opiates anymore. So like coming off of the opiates, I started like not started, but I just continued to smoke because it, it made me feel better. Yeah. You know, to, to, I hated that feeling of my body feeling clammy and all that stuff. So it's like, I'll just keep smoking. And that wasn't even an issue for me. Like I didn't see it, um, impacting me in the slightest. So I stayed with that until I, it was probably me looking for a job, not being able to, you know, test negative. So I said, okay, I'll stop smoking too. And then I, I was drinking. Yeah, because they can't say even. I don't think any jobs really test for alcohol. I don't either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's out of line people, and you know, <laughs> you know, like there's those 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 people that you know that you can pretty much you know, like I'm in sales. Can you imagine? So mm -hmm. there are those out of line people and people that you know that you can go pretty much like wine and dine with because you know like they're they're gonna act like fools. Um, mm -hmm. And they're pretty much known to be like that. Uh, mm -hmm. But no, you're right. You're like, the, the, no one will ever test. Even though I would, I would, I would honestly say that um, drug tests, I'm not even sure if it's allowed here in Quebec. You know, like I, you know, like I've never, um, you know, like, yeah. So I, what you're telling me is that um, New York or whatever in the U.S., yeah, there's more. Because uh, they don't even test in New Jersey. Okay. So it's New York. Yeah. 
yeah, so they drug test not every single job, but a lot of jobs do. Um, so I like one of my friends probably said it like joking, like, oh, just drink, no big deal. So I was like, all right. So then I started drinking and that was, even if it wasn't excessive, like sometimes it was excessive, but even if it was not excessive, like I did not mind how I felt. Mm-hmm. And then it was becoming like, you know, I'm going to come home and this is what I'm going to do, even if I'm not getting drunk. And that's when I said, okay, you know, this is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. So I didn't stop, but I just was very aware of it. And um, I was in an undergrad program. And then, I mean, at that time I was like, you know, smoking, drinking, pills, everything. And it was um, a double bachelor's psychology and sociology. And then I was literally smoking when I got a phone call from the bank and they were like, we want our money for your, you know, for your loan. And I was like, well, what's going to stop you from taking my money? And they said, well, go get a master's degree or get another bachelor's. I was like, I have two bachelors. I'm not going to get a third. I'll, you know, go into a master's program. So I called up different programs and I spoke to this guy, I can't even remember his name, but he was such a nice guy. You know, come to find out years later, my school was a Christian school. I had no idea. <laughs> so he was like such a friendly guy. And we stayed on the phone for like an hour and a half, like going through the different programs. And because I was focused on psychology, he was like, well, what do you think about counseling? I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Like that's, that's something that I would be interested in. And he was like, well, what about addiction counseling? And I was like, well, tell me about it, you know? So he like gave me all this information. I was like, that sounds great. So I went into the program and then I was like, I have a problem. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm learning about it. And I was like, wow, like the fact that I've slowed down or stopped because it's impacted me, like I, I have a problem and I should just stop altogether. So I stopped. And that was like, I'm going to say eight years ago. And then I relapsed, but I didn't even consider it to be a relapse because I was still very on the fence of, you know, did I have a problem? Did I not have a problem? Um, But when I relapsed, it was like binging to the point of like being blackout drunk like drinking at 11 o'clock on a day that I wasn't working and like drinking all day because I was off, you know, so I deserved it. Yeah. And it just didn't make sense. But I just kept on like convincing myself, you know, despite the fact that I literally had all of the tools because of school. And you knew, you, yeah, exactly. So you had multiple points to argue that you either or not had the problem yeah and just the fact that you have that conversation like most of the time they say if you are considering that you have a problem then you you have a problem you know so is it the same saying so if you consider joining uh 
you're like a master in con drug consulting <laughs> that you yeah, may have. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I don't even know what, like it made so much sense to me then. I mean, but it, it was good because that was like kind of the start of everything for me. I'm going to say it was everything because, you know, before I was always like, I, I thrived off of this lifestyle that I had no idea was actually so negative. Do you know, Elisa, if any of your peers were, you know, like taking those classes would use, you know, like either reasonably not sure. or not? I mean, like, cause you know, like I, 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 my wife is not an addict, right? You're like, so for me, you know, like stopping and bottle halfway, it's just mm -hmm. fucking like, like, like it's almost sounds like an insult, you know, like you're not yeah. going to bottom it up you know like no i mean like yeah. you're gonna put the cork back what the fuck is that you know like the, yeah. for me and in life you know like it's it's so funny because you know, i'm i'm trying to cut on sugar right now you know like it's oh. you know, like i have like such a sweet tooth you know like it's it's uh -huh. just it's it's crazy and so this weekend my wife is out of out of town you know like she's not at home because she has to you know she sleeps over one of her friends that's sick and anyways um and so both my wife and I are are trying to do not a diet, but you know, like just being careful with sweets, you know. Mm -hmm. And I had my my birthday is in February, and I, one of our friend gave me. Do you guys have squish candies? You know, like they're they're like the anyway, so they're like the the teddy bears, and you know, but they're supposed to be like a vegans, and but they're they taste fantastic, and you know, like so they, so they do like gift box where there's all kinds of these jelly base um mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. teddy bear like yeah and i had this box sitting in my don't ask me why I, well we both know why i didn't throw that one out you know mm -hmm. but but it, it was sitting in my in my bookshelf for since february uh-huh and so saturday my wife i think it's in the afternoon that my wife's like Oh my God! Is uh, is my diet out the door? You know, like because you know, like she she was having a drink with her friend on Friday, and then they mm -hmm. had a meal where you know, like they they had a ton of whatever. You know, like so she's like, "Oh, is my diet out the door?" I already had like a ice cream uh, um, cone with my son. You know, like so <laughs> I was already fucking all hell was breaking loose already and when she said that it was pretty much i would have translated that to you know what alex you can go eat whatever the fuck you want this weekend <laughs> and so i i jolted to that bookshelf and oh ate the old box i ate the fucking whole box and so my, my wife was laughing so hard because she i'm like i thought i would throw up you know, because mm -hmm. it was way too much sugar and because and, mm -hmm. it had been way long. And and so I have that in me, you know, like that's mm -hmm. that's me. I'm, you know, like I'm training right now and I'm pretty convinced that last week I overtrained. But if I tell you what I've been doing recently in terms of training, you'd say, mm -hmm. well, don't ask yourself if you're overtraining. You're fucking overtraining. You know, like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm anyways, like it's always like like going full blast mm -hmm. on everything. You know, like that podcast thing, that podcast journey started with an idea, and then mm -hmm. I end up with a fucking studio around me. You know, like mm -hmm. you know, like it's yeah. so it's always it's always all in. And um 
And why, you know, like I was asking, you know, like did, did any of your colleagues at school, you felt that they had similar um, genetics, you know, like in terms of, you know, like the, the, either these swings or these polarities of, you know, like going always all in or. Um, I'm going to say no, they all seemed, um, like reasonable, naive. reasonable, <laughs> oh, reasonable, but naive. like they didn't know, you know, like I, when we would learn about stuff, I would know about it. Maybe not by the name that they were calling it, you know, cause we had to take like a drug course. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I know about this stuff, you know, <laughs> when they really didn't. Like, I think that they, a lot of them are probably like pastors or something like that. Yeah. That had come across like, um, addicts and wanted to help them in whatever way. Um, I don't think that they understood the same way that I understood. I have to ask you, I haven't gone through that. Have you, have you followed through that whole training? Yeah, I have my I've had my masters for it was like seven years ago. And I have to ask you, you know, like I haven't gone through it all. Would you say that, you know, like um because you know like some of the literature will say that, you know, like no one better than an addict is understands an mm -hmm. addict better than an addict, right? You know, like so um mm -hmm. would you say that, that that course um kind of confirmed that it, the impression that you know like there's nothing better than an addict to understand another addict um i'm gonna say that okay so i i went through that and then i worked in the fields and i worked in the field for like six years um and there was definitely a difference in the way that i would interact with like my clients versus other people who've you would think that they don't even know what an addict looks like. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a difference. I mean, sometimes it may be better for somebody who's completely removed. Um, I'm not sure if that's always the case. Um, but on the other end, like where I'm concerned, I'm not sure that me you know, being in recovery was the best thing. Like in hindsight, it has made me into who I am today. It has made me into um, being more self-aware, more understanding, and me wanting to help in a different way. But I don't, if I would have known my experience, I don't think I ever would have did that. I think I would have chosen something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like really, and I try and tell people that. But the thing is that when people have their mindset, their mind is set. So like I follow some groups on Facebook and, you know, people ask, you know, do you think that an addict is the best person to be a counselor? And I'm like, personally, I think that being a counselor is very detrimental to a person's recovery. Or confronting maybe? It may be confronting, but to me, it's not even that. Like, I feel like that was probably the best thing for me because who knows? Like, I may have continued to struggle with the, you know, like an addict, I feel like always has that mindset of like, well, maybe it was my age, you know, maybe it was the people I was around. Maybe it was the situation I was in and maybe I can just do, you know, one 
maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, so I think that being on the forefront, seeing those things definitely helped me say, I don't want to do that again because I don't know what will be the end result. But as a person feeling validated, you're not going to get that Yeah. as a counselor. And not even from the clients where a lot of people would always be like, oh my God, working in that field must be so difficult. Like you must be so drained. And I'm like, you have no idea, but it wasn't because of my clients. It was because of my peers. It was because of my supervisors. Yeah. You know, and that's really sad because these are people who are meant to help and like seeing a lot of them and the knowledge that they did not have or the fact that they didn't care that these people were people. Yeah. That was so complicated for me as a person in recovery. And so we got sidetracked a bit, but you know, like I, I just want to go back to your, your, we're mid relapsed. You're mm-hmm. taking those courses. Mm-hmm. What happens? You know, like, how do you, how do you overcome that? You know, like, how do you. Um, well, I was um, part of those courses are, you know, to get some experience to work in the field. So I um, had to work in the field and it felt very hypocritical, you know, being there, even though when you're, when you're in school, you, you can't have like a full caseload, you know, you're not licensed, you can't do whatever. So I wasn't sitting down and having a conversation with people and telling them to get sober while I'm not sober. But even, you know, being there, hearing people's stories, um, I was like making charts at that time. So I'm reading some of the stuff that these people are going through. And I just told myself, if this is what I'm going to choose for the rest of my life, I need to be sober. Uh So it was um new year's eve and like i didn't even want to drink but i was at a party and i had like it was like everybody was getting ready for the ball to drop and i literally just told myself like i'm this is it this is the last time i'm gonna touch anything so my um clean date is january 1st um and i've you know stuck to it since then it was hard um but after that I graduated. Um, I was able to be hired, work as an addiction counselor, and that definitely kept me sober. But at the same time, I saw like some of them started to relapse. And I think that that was like a turning point in my mind where I would see these people who had like years of recovery um some of them lost literally everything because of a relapse and so i i you know told myself that my recovery has to be the most important thing even though like my job was helping other people in their recovery yeah i had to take care of myself um and that's where i feel like my journey took a serious turn because even though I was sober, it was still very, you know, like being newly sober is really hard. A lot of emotions, a lot of like, you know, what am I going to do? 
that there's always that thought. I was fairly young. Um, I have almost seven years and I'm 32. So I was like 25. Yeah. So it's like, what am I going to do? You know, like I'm going to go out and I'm just going to be sitting there. Like that's so boring. Um, and then I couldn't, like I tried to do that and my friends were still using. Some of them didn't, you know, have an issue. Some of them still use to this day, you know, it's not the same to them as it was to me. So I had to, you know, shift who my friends were because it wasn't productive and it wasn't helpful to my recovery. Um, I think definitely the, the thing that helped me the most was having a support system and going to therapy. So you went into therapy? I still go to therapy. Okay. Yeah. So kind of an outside therapy session? Yeah, like my own therapy. You know, so it, it's like very cliche being a therapist, yeah. <laughs> having a therapist, but it's that is probably the one of the only things that keep me sane these days. And healthiest, you know, like that's that's super healthy. Yeah. Do you attend any of the anonymous groups? Um, not anymore. I did at one point, um, and I just felt like it was it was complicated for me because of work because where I live is so small. Yeah. Um, and there's really not so many places. Like I could say, oh, I'll go to one, you know, 20 minutes away. But depending on where you work, if I work 15 minutes away, I go to a meeting 20 minutes away, I'm going to run into a client. So, you know, they always told me where I worked. Like if you're at a meeting and you see a client, you have to leave. So it was very counterproductive for me. That's, that's weird though. It, it and New York is one of the only places that I've heard that they have said that because I've spoken to people who work in, I have a, a friend who's, who worked with me at one of the places and then moved to another country, another state. And he goes to meetings, despite the fact that there may be clients there. It is what it is. Well, I mean, like it's the... Because as a counselor, my guess is that you would recommend people attend meetings, of right? Of course. That's literally, <laughs> you know, what, what we base it off of, like, where your support here, well, and now you need support outside. Therefore, practice what you preach, no? I mean, like, that's that's really weird because, you know, like my, so my, I had like a 21-day therapy, right? You know, like it was, mm -hmm. um, so I was lodged there and fed there for 21 days. And mm -hmm. my, my therapist while i was there um my preferred meeting was actually the first floor the room was in the first floor of that second floor therapy center so mm -hmm. um and it was he, he was attending that meeting once in a while too mm -hmm. now if i had never seen him knowing well actually shared with me that he used to be uh you know he used to use himself you know like he used to mm -hmm. be an addict himself or still is an addict but you know like in recovery um if i never seen him or him telling me that he's not attending any meetings anymore mm -hmm. especially if he preached you know like as he did you know like going to meetings i would be mm -hmm. like well don't you go yourself? You know, like, you know, like it would be like, like a somewhat of a question I would be, have, you know, like, like, well, if you say that, you know, like I should be 
super rigorous about my meeting mm-hmm. attendance. You're like, what about yours, buddy? You know, like so it's really it's really it's really bizarre to hear that, you know, like your 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 peers or even your your managers would say, don't fraternize. well Yeah, don't fraternize. Yeah, but see that's that's what I would say. Like, oh, I don't need to you know, talk to them just because of their, or like specifically tell them, you know, don't come to me, don't say anything to me. But I wasn't even allowed to tell them I was in recovery. No? No, no. And I said something, and I didn't even say I was in recovery, but I ended up just saying like, I needed a personal day because I ran, at one of the places I worked at, I ran the intensive group. Yeah. So that was, you know, every day, um, three hours a day. So I was like, guys, I need a, a, personal day tomorrow i'm not gonna be here you know someone else is gonna be here for you and my boss pulled me aside and she was like you cannot tell them that you need a personal day i was like i am a person (laughs) that's weird i'm i'm not gonna be here you know like and i know i'm not gonna be here so i'm going to tell them like you know they're they're very fragile when they first get in recovery they're in a routine you know like I, i shouldn't if I know I'm not going to be here, I want to prepare them for somebody else being here when they expect from me, they see me every single day. So the places that I worked, they were very much like that, except for one. I worked in one place where they were specifically looking for people in recovery who had either um, a, a certificate or a license. So I went on that interview and I explained everything and the owner was like, that's amazing. Like we need people like you. And, and I could be as open as I wanted to be. And that was probably the most freeing job that I worked at. And it was one of the last I worked at in the field because going from that to, you know, being a therapist or, you know, being looked at as just you know, a clinician and what do I know? You know, how do I, how do I tell somebody to live their life a certain way if I don't understand it? Like it just felt, it felt, I felt very claustrophobic. For sure. Like what I could offer. So that was, it. I, I worked at one other job past that and I have not worked in the field since. Cause my therapist wasn't allowed to, um, sponsor, mm-hmm. um, any one of us that had him as a therapist for the first five years going out of the therapy. And mm-hmm. it was for obvious reasons, right? You know, like mm-hmm. our, our, our natural reflex would be to, because they were, the, they were the people introducing us to the meetings and to, mm-hmm. you know, therapy itself. So, you know, like if, if one of the recommendation would be to find a sponsor, well, obviously the first person you would naturally mm-hmm. ask is that guy, you know, like, or that mm-hmm. girl. So there was that rule that, you know, like the therapy center said, you know, like they can't, they can't sponsor you um, unless you have at least five years out of the therapy center and you've been sober. So um, naturally, you know, like you, 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 you had to find a way to find your own sponsor, you know, like, so, so that makes sense, you know, like, so, and, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't go there and, you know, like try to find him and just like, share your your life problems it, however i you know like when when i separated at the time with my with my then girlfriend um i did reach out to him and you know like he did you know gave me some advice and and um 
but yeah, I mean, like the, 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 these people are so precious and important in your in your sobriety path that you know, like, uh, and and especially if you're, you know, like I'm a questioning guy, you know, like I'm I I tend to be an anti-conformist at heart, you know, like I tend to be <laughs> like a rebel at heart, you know, like if I can't challenge, question, and ask. Mm -hmm. things to my therapist about his own life experience mm -hmm. i feel like i feel you know like i feel it, it it feels fake you know like it feels like you know like okay so are you still reading the fucking book here or you know yeah, like right right did you just graduate <laughs> yesterday i know and it is it's it was very complicated for me to have that like um like there's a very thin line between being profess professional and, you know, personal. I think when it comes, when it came to me, um, they would, they, it was interesting because they would use certain words. Like when, you know, when I would have supervision or when I would, um, you know, we would have our group session where we would talk about any case that we had or whatever, like people would use words like invested or, you know, um, you're, more emotionally involved than than the clients are and it even though it was meant or it seemed like it was professional like there was that line and i was never taken as seriously wow and, and so at the same time would you say that that explains you know because in 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 my region in Quebec, you know, like we see way less of private practices booming, you know, like and yeah. at the same time in the US, it seems to be like a it's a it's a it's a booming market of That's private like the goal. The, yeah. When you're when you're a therapist, like your goal is to be private practice. And that was not my goal. And that's why I'm um I'm getting my PhD and it's not clinical. I do not want clinical. Everybody was like, why don't you do clinical? I said, because that's not, my goal is not to be superior. Yeah. My goal is to give back in any way that I can give back. And how can I give back if, you know, I have to be a certain type of person, if I can't just be who I am. And so <laughs> we see a lot of those private practices. I mean, you know, like almost all of my last 10 or 15 maybe more so um, English-speaking guests mm. are people that do have their own practice. Mm -hmm. You know, like with their old, you know, like the motto and, you know, like the, the mm -hmm. you know, like the taglines and, you know, like which I, I have nothing against, you know, like, I, I mm. mean, you know, like for me, I mean, you know, like if it saves lives, it saves lives, you know, like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm you know, um, it's, it's culturally weird for me because you know like we we there's actually here in quebec there's two camps you know like those there that's my biggest problem is that's the the one that are paid by the state mm -hmm. are um they're not in the camp of um stopping everything altogether they're in what they call reduction of harm reduction harm reduction mm -hmm. uh which i don't believe in at all you know, like for me you know like you can't reduce you mm -hmm. need to fucking stop you know like so mm -hmm. so it's yeah. really ironic that the only therapy center that are actually state funded 
are only based on arm reduction principles, right? So, um, so obviously the, 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 the therapy centers that are either based on 12 steps or at least based on, you know, like stopping everything altogether, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, are private, meaning that, you know, like they, they do get funding, but um, you do pay a, a good a good premium pricing to, to, to go at it. But, you know, like sober coaches, it's mm-hmm. something that culturally we don't know. We, really? we really very, very little. There's one guy that does, he's, he's a Anglophone, you know, like he's, he, he lives in Montreal, he speaks mm-hmm. French, but he's, he, it's, it, his practice is mostly Anglophone and he has like a few employees. Um, and Bob does that, but a hundred percent French are, you know, like Quebec as, you know, like that, that, that fiber culture is, um, mm-hmm. you see a lot of sponsor, I, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm the, I'm the MC of, uh, of a virtual meeting taking place every Tuesday, but it's a nonprofit org, my and it's actually my sponsor giving the therapy, um, which is inspired and influenced by the twelve steps because he's been attending meeting for forty eight years. You know, like so he, wow. he knows. You know, like the, he knows his shit. Uh, <laughs> he knows his shit by heart, actually. And this, this is just disheartening. You know, like hey, open your big book, page thirty eight, second paragraph. Can you read that? <laughs> like fuck, man, really. Anyways. <laughs> um it's so so weird but um but it is all non-profit you know like he he does say you know like so when 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 we present we do say um we recommend because you know like he he actually uh even invites people that are at their first day of recovery to you know like spend some days at his own place you know like so you do yeah so he does say you know like you can actually um each meeting, you know, like would be a recommended five bucks, but it's really like recommended. And he specified last Tuesday because um, we, you know, like we 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 join in like half an hour before the start of the meeting. And he actually said, "I need you, Alex, that when you're emceeing that meeting, that you just uh, I like the fact that you know we recommend and ask if they can, but if they can't, I want them at the meeting." anyways i'm like okay you know like i'm mm-hmm. I, I but so it gives you an idea that you know like this guy's been doing like um and it's all both on addiction and and like personal problems um mm-hmm. so even like suicide prevention um mourning challenges like when someone dies and you know like mm-hmm. you know like uh um yeah, I mean, like this guy has been all over the place, but it's it's mm-hmm. always been free. So, so you can imagine that, like, the sober coaching, private practice, like, really corporate-ish. You know, like, and you know, like this is not a word, but you know, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. You know, like, um, we don't we, we see very little of that. You know, like, we, like sober coaches out here actually, like, you, um, it's more for people who have money. Sober coaches is not, it's not something that the insurance pays for. So this is like out of pocket that um, you're paying. And it's, it's really hard. Like I, I, the place that I worked at, I was technically a sober coach, but I was a sober coach where it was like a package. So you had to already be affiliated with where I was working with to get it. So I was considering doing like sober coaching on the side 
but it's so hard to get into. It very much is word of mouth. And then I realized that even though I could be more open, that's like, it's, I, I, it's something so like unknown. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's very big um, in like New York and California, but it's not something that's easy to come by at all. And so even like founding your own private practice would be like almost out of, you know, like uh, out of reach even? For me? Yeah. Um, I would have to be licensed and I'm not, I'd, I'm not doing that. I've considered it in the past, but it's not, um, it's not worth it. Like there are people who like to, um, like, I think it's, they have that ambition, you know, or entrepreneurial fi uh, fiber more, I guess, you know, like you really have to know who you are and know who wants what it is that you have. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, for me, it's just not the thing. Um, but because I realized that, you know, the, the counseling, you know, therapeutic way was not my thing. Um, when I left the field, I made an Instagram and a YouTube where I can be me. Yeah. I can be open. Um, I've discussed a lot of things like some of the issues that I had. Like I, I, um, I have a YouTube video that's called like, you know, why I'll never go back to, you know, the addiction field or something like that. Like, you know, where I'm able to just communicate and explain in hopes of, maybe the community being a little bit more open, which I know it, it is very much a long shot um, for people to hear me and understand what I'm going through. But like, hopefully if more people start to be open and start to give more of a better um, understanding of what's happening right now, that things will go back to the way that they used to be. So like before, I think that New York was more, or just period. I think that the therapeutic communities it kind of sounds like what you're explaining is going on in Quebec. And for a long time with our creative communities, that was it. That's all you had to offer. Um, people were going and they were getting sober and they were maintaining long-term sobriety with that. And then like insurance started to get involved. Um, you know, you had to be licensed, which to me, it's just like a cash grab. You know, like you go to school, then you have to pay for a test. If you fail the test, you have to pay for the test again. Um, every three years, you have to pay a fee to get your license renewed. So, but that's messed up, Elisa, because you know, I got you know, like I it, in the first recordings that I had, you know, like someone challenged me on the reason why I was doing the motive pretty much mm -hmm. the motivation behind me doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. And the guy thought it was the publicity and mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe the money, but not fake making a fucking dime out of this. You know, like I'm never going to monetize this. I'm never going to have any kind of sponsors. Yeah. Uh, even though I think at the beginning of the pandemic, someone asked me, you know, like if I would promote like some locally 
made um, sports gear, you know, like which has nothing to do, like except for a healthy living, you know, like and it was just like giving a hand to these people that I knew. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did it once and I felt bad doing it almost mm -hmm. so like because I you know, like there's never and there was no money involved. It was pretty much me like giving a hand to someone, you know, like so yeah. um, that being said, um, the guy challenged me on the motivation behind, you know, like the, doing the podcast and mm -hmm. he shook me, you know, like, so we finished the recordings, like, what the fuck are you doing that? And I'm like, mm -hmm. because I, I pulled a lot of, um, confidence from the guy, you know, like I was on site, we were one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one, and I knew the guy a little, but not that much. And so he tells me his life story. And obviously, uh, because of that tight relation that we kind of that bubble that we instantly built, mm -hmm. um, he, he, he tells me a lot of um, intimate things in his life. So I press stop and he's like, why the fuck are you doing this? I'm like, and it was, I think it was like my second or third recording. I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, like I'm, I'm, I think there's an interest of people listening to that. You know, like I, they, they could identify themselves and, and so mm -hmm. on. But I, I had no clear answer, you know, like, so mm -hmm. I, I was like an hour away from home and I was driving back calling my sponsor and he's like, do you enjoy doing it? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm having a blast. And he says, do you think, you know, like it can do good? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, you know, like it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. So, well, fuck him. I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> thanks for, you know, like pretty much thanks for the answer. And, you know, like we'll talk later called my wife and she's like, well, do you enjoy it? I'm like, it was, it's fun. You know, like she, okay. And, and do you think, you know, like you, you're kind of, is your heart at the right place? You know, like, are do you, do you have like, I'm like, yeah. I mean, like there's no, I don't want to do, I don't want to make money with that at all. You mm -hmm. know, like, and she's like, well, fuck him. You know, like, I, I think you're, you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And so, I had to think for myself, you know, like why I was doing it. And at at the end of the day, I came back to the genesis of the the Bill and Bob that created any 12-step program, which was mm -hmm. there's that that dry drunk Bill, mm -hmm. thirsty, reaching out for anyone that could talk with him, finds that drunken piece of trash dr bob that says don't come here you know like i'm not worth it you know like i'm i'm bad people ate me and you know like i'm trash drives down there and bottom line is they talk for eight hours and realize that by talking and sharing intimate stories of their mm -hmm. own life mm -hmm. they they weren't thirsty anymore and that was yeah. it yeah that, that was it that was free Except for a few coffees, if not a few <laughs> yeah. pitchers of coffee that they drank. But, you know, it was pretty much, bottom line, it was a free thing. So you're right, you know, like that at the end of the day, you know, like we need to go back to, you know, like after that, there was plenty of writings, you know, like about, you know, like mm -hmm. the... My, it's funny because you know, like the the guy that I'm at, I'm emceeing the meeting uh, on on Tuesdays uh, is actually uh, knee deep involved in agnostic. Uh, meeting creation right now mm. and it's controversial because uh -huh. you know, like the initially it was all christian based and christian influenced mm -hmm. so he's he's reading through you know like how do you create an agnostic 12-step program and, and you yeah. know like how do you it's super interesting yeah. and 
and um, I I I saw a few videos of you know like you know like for example um, um, someone traced back the like the genesis of you know like the twelve steps and the creation of NA and all that, and at, there's some passage of you know like why do you think why do you guys think that this is you know like that the genesis of it is anonymous, and so feeling is that you know like um whatever the reason we think it is anonymous the at the creation of the first aa the reason why it was anonymous was strictly because some of those counties and and state had strict laws of actually arresting and jailing the people that were identified as either alcoholics or or drug addicts and so because of that, there are archive photos of people attending meeting wearing masks. Oh, wow. So when you see those photos, those black and white photos with, you know, like those, either like those full-blown masks or half masks, uh-huh. you're like, oh, wow, that's why. So it got then kind of, it evolved in, well, it's anonymous because, you know, like you don't want to. You know, like you don't want to say, "Hey, Elisa told me that," and you mm-hmm. know, like, and you know, because of close knit environment, and so. Yeah. But at the same time, this what this is originally was not why it was anonymous. Mm-hmm. It was people if they were tagged as alcoholics, they would be jailed. That's interesting. I never knew that. And so, you know, like that, so, so there are a few YouTube videos interesting about like the origin of NA, which traces back, uh, obviously AA and, and tells about, you know, like the, and I, I was like blown away by, oh, okay. So we as human mm-hmm. took these and elaborated and, you know, like brain farted on it and, you know, like. <laughs> You know, like made it so complicated, so fucking complicated. Mm-hmm. But if if you go back to the root, there's two people talking. And while I'm talking to you, Elisa, I'm not thirsty right now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like having a, a cracking a beer, you know? Yeah. And so it it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. You know? It, you know, like for me, it works. So, so when people make these more complicated or, or if by the end of our conversation, I'd say, Hey, it's going to be 250. I'm going to send you my bill. Right. I, you know, like I'd be like, the fuck just happened here? You yeah. know, like, <laughs> cause yeah. you're, we're both saving each other's lives right now. Yeah, that is it. I think that that's like the main, um, reason behind why I said, you know, this is just not for me. Like it just, see, it seems so, I, I don't know. I want to say complicated. It seems like hypocritical. It felt like for me, you know, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. What I'm saying, Elisa, is that, you know, like, um, if I'd be, you know, like, embarking on that journey i have a feeling that i would have almost on a daily basis uh, basis ask myself a lot of questions if i'm doing an instagram post Mm -hmm. promoting that business because it it, bottom line it's a business Mm -hmm. what what am i feeding by doing it 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's a tough one because I've I've I'm telling you I've met fantastic people on that podcast that do have their own practice and I truly mm-hmm. believe that you know like if they're if they were genuine and I believe they were if they mm-hmm. were genuine and you know like the conversation we had they're f- unbelievable people and so I I so I would never dare challenging their intentions mm-hmm. But at the same time, it must be, you know, like waking up every morning, it must be, you must ask yourself a lot of questions. You know, like every time I do promote it, you know, like every time I, you know, like I, I, I catch myself selfieing <laughs> my meditation, mm-hmm. what, what are you feeding here? Your ego? Yeah. Are you really meditating right now? Are you reading, you know, like, are you really doing what you're saying you're doing? Are you doing it for a publicity stunt to have more customers? You know, like, it's it's a lot. It's much fucking tougher than me. I can tell you that, you know. Yeah. I'm in sales. I know I'm a whore, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm you know, like, I, it, it may, you know, like, it sounds fucking vulgar like that. But, you know, like, I'm in sales. You know, like, I know, mm-hmm. I know what I do. You know, like, I, I, I'm, I don't hide that. You know, like, I, I sell for God's sake, you know, like, and, and, and so my agenda is known. I never hide it. You know, like, I, I, it's out there. Um. And if and if you blend the two, like your recovery, your 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 sobriety, and sales, mm-hmm. this is a is it it is a thin iced blurred line. Um, yeah, I mean, like for me, it's just uh, just weird, you know. Like, and and again, you know, like I'm I'm. I'm discovering it as we go along, you know, like mm-hmm. as this, as this, uh, as this podcast grows, um, you know, like the more question I ask and the more, you know, like it, it opens up my mind and opens up my mm-hmm. eyes on, oh yeah, that must have, there must be a lot of question. And you, you just, you know, like you, I guess you ask yourself those questions and mm-hmm. answered, answered them and you chose the path of, more of the public service path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as much as um, the fact that I, you know, I have to live, you know, because I, I went to school and I spent a lot of money on getting the education, you know, in hopes that I would be able to at least live and survive. Um, it was like, you know, is it worth it? You know, like, is, is this a deal with the devil? Yeah. <laughs> so I've, chosen to you know figure out a different means of being able to um meet ends meet while continuing to give back to the community as best as i can um it is it it's very complicated and it does get very I don't know. It, it gets complicated because you see some people selling like recovery stuff. So like I see a lot of people selling um, recovery shirts. So I started to like make slogans and like try and sell the shirts. But it was like, okay, am I going to put my energy into making shirts, selling shirts? Um, is it is that what's beneficial for me, or should I just continue to you know? make posts and 
hope that the message gets around on its own, you know, like the, the shirts that I've made and I've posted it, like people like it, but nobody's ever said, I think I've, I sold like three shirts <laughs> you know? and it was all like word of mouth. Like I made one for my friend and then my friend was like, Oh, my friend wants to buy a shirt, you know, but like people haven't gone out because I don't have like slogans. Like some of the other people, like they have these like very catchy and slogans. they're marketing. And I'm not, that's just, I'm not as much as I would love to, you know, have something super catchy. Like I have a shirt that says like silence kills and my, my um, page is called law recovery talk. Yep. And it is very, you know, I, I, I'm going for very honest. I'm going for very open. Like the thing that as a therapist, that was always my downfall, you know, like asking people questions that people just didn't want. They were just like, you can't, it's too soon for you to ask. I'm like, no, but you have to, like, you have to ask these questions. You have to, you know, be open or, or people are going to go back out, you know, like you can't tiptoe around it. Like that's the TC mindset, you know, where a lot of people said TC was like abusive. Some things that they did was not okay. Like they would make them like cut the grass with a scissor. <laughs> and that was like a real thing. What is TC, Elisa? It's um, therapeutic community. So like, okay. uh, like a inpatient rehab. Yep. Um, so a lot of them were, they had people do things that gave them a lot of time to think, but it wasn't, it wasn't helpful. Almost, um, um diminishing. Yes. So a lot of that, they should have stopped, which they did stop it, but they stopped everything else with it. So I had a client who he was, you know, he went to a TC and then I guess they might've sent him to jail or whatever the case is. So when he got out. Part of it is if you get arrested for um, like any kind of drug charges for you to get out, sometimes they'll say, you know, go to a program for a year. So you're in an outpatient program for a year. So he had years and years clean, but part of him coming out, he had to, you know, come. And it was like, I felt bad for that because it's like, you have all this time and you're sitting with people who have days and that I think is very counterproductive, but him and the message that he gave was so different than what it is that people, the message they were getting from the impatience now. So he said that every day when he was in the, the TC, they would wake him up like six o'clock in the morning. He would have to make his bed and he, you know, breakfast Then you know, schedule was this, 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 and that, you know, on laundry day, he would get his laundry do it as soon as he got back to the room, he would put it away to where it needed to be. So he said that once he was out, his routine followed. And with that, he was able to maintain long-term sobriety. And that is something that is so hard to come across now. Like somebody who has such structure because yeah. of, you know, them not have, like you can have structure, but when you have short-term impatient and then you're kind of just thrown out into the world. Okay, now, you know, go figure it out. That's not, it's not beneficial and it's not helpful. But I think a lot of places are scared to have a, an association to like that TC. They don't want to be closed down because especially in New York, I cannot even tell you if I name some of the places that were open when I started six years ago, almost none of them are open now they've all been bought out by another program 
or they ran out of funding and completely closed. So it's like people are so scared to be part of that, you know, not having funding, not being able to be your own program, being bought out by a bigger program um, that they'll kind of just say, all right, we'll do this because this is it's what's working for the short term and or safer. maintain sobriety outside. And would you say that right now, um, the fact that we seem to be so thin skinned about everything influences or hurts what you just described? I have that feeling that, you know, like, you know, like we're, we're we can't say someone to shut the fuck up, listen <laughs> and attend that meeting anymore. Yeah. No, it's it. So it is really complicated. If people have a mindset of what they're going to do, they're going to do it. Where, yeah, before it was like, you're going to go to prison for five years or you're going to be in this, you know, in this inpatient for 18 months. I've had some clients who've chosen prison yeah. over being in a program. And that was so complicated for me to understand. Like, why wouldn't you want? your freedom, you know, just because you want to use a substance. And I don't know if it's because the way that things are run are different. Or I don't know if it's just because that's the way that society is now. I have no idea. It is very complicated, but that's why, like I said, by having the raw recovery talk, I'm going to, I'm going to connect with people who want to hear the message. And yeah. sometimes it's better, like definitely for, for my well-being, for my mental health and for my recovery, reaching out to people who want to hear it versus reaching out to people who they're being forced and they don't want to and they're not going to. Um, it, it makes me feel like I'm doing more, giving back more. It is, um, that you know, like... The elders in meeting rooms used to tell us that, you know, like they would say pretty much it, you know, like shut the fuck up, sit and listen, you know, like listen and, and hear us talk about, you know, like sobriety, abstinence and, you know, and try to listen and, um, you know, like the 90 days, 90 meetings, mm -hmm. those are things that, you know, like we hear less and less. And mm -hmm. my guess is that we're becoming... As you know, like we, we, our skin is getting thinner and thinner and you're know, like, you can't tell me what to do. And you know, like that kind of, you know, like that, that, you know, like acting like fucking, you know, like, um, always offended. And, and my guess is that, you know, like sometimes, and we're, we're hard headed assholes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes having someone, you know, like just, um, tougher than us you mm -hmm. know like say hey shut the fuck up you know like and and you're wrong mm -hmm. sorry but you're fucking wrong here and and that challenges us you know like and and my guess is that it helps and one thing for sure is that um my first sponsor was someone that was you know like was actually telling me and recommending me stuff that was weird and I couldn't question it and challenge mm -hmm. it. And I was like, okay, but you know, I, like, can I have a talk, you know, I like, can, and, and it was a complete categoric no. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, 
that sponsor that I have now, you know, like they, which has 48 of sobriety, 48 years of abstinence and sobriety, um, I can tell him pretty much anything. But if I'm wrong, he's going to tell me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I, if I, you know, like I'm acting out of my mind, he's just going to tell me mm -hmm. as it is. You know, I can. I mean, sometimes I I don't like what I hear, and mm -hmm. and I, if I sit and think about what he said, I'm like, oh, he's fucking right. You know, like I'm 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 acting like I'm like a dick, and and mm -hmm. you know, like I must stop. You know, like so. Yeah, I mean, like I. I have a feeling that, you know, like it's, um, those are worth times to pretty much tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a catch 22. I feel like I'm right in the middle of that where like, um, a lot of younger people are getting sober now, which I think is like so amazing that younger people are saying, okay, you know what? Like maybe this is getting out of hand. Let me try and fix it. Um, yeah. And I do have um, a lot of background with people, you know, older than me that have been in sobriety for longer than me. Um, so I kind of understand both. You know, I see what the um, old timers have gone through and I'm like, this, this is where I want to be. You know, like I want to have double digits, you know, like I want to be that person that people look up to like when my uncle hit 30 years i was like that's amazing you know and i can't wait till i hit the 30 years yeah but then like the the younger generation they are very much like question everything and you know like i'm you know i'm an adult i can make whatever decisions so it's it's very interesting <laughs> to be like that like kind of watching oh, on a therapeutic uh, level it must be fascinating yeah oh yeah like when i i when i was working um i very much liked to work with younger um adult males um very interesting like and in my where where i worked um opiates like heroin that was their drug of choice so to me that was like so interesting and i was like but like people who you know people would come in we would do their intakes and they would say okay you know this is the situation like who's willing to work with the person and i would always be like you know give me like the younger male just because their stories were always so interesting and i always wanted to see like what motivated them and how it was like a challenge you know like how can i help to give give them information to hopefully stop them from making decisions that could alter their lives yeah um it was really interesting with that but it is plus the epidemic of the opioids right now in the u.s it's like, we, it's we don't have that we don't have it that much in quebec mm -hmm. at all you know like we don't hear about it you know like much but you know like i saw so many documentaries about that crisis in the U.S., you know, like it's even Ivanka Trump talked about it and, you know, like the, the even, you know, like whatever our, our political opinion is about her and, you know, like the, the administration, you know, like she has, you know, like had made speech about, you know, like that, that situation and there are a ton of documentary around it, you know, like the fentanyl and, you know, like the, the, the all of the opioids, it's just fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. It really is hard. Um, Especially, like I said, being like 
I'm not as young um, as as a lot of people are. Like some, there's like some 17 year olds that are using so. And the synthetics. I saw a documentary about the synthetics. Uh, someone was talking about the, like the synthetic weed. Oh, me uh, too. Yeah. I, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. It was like so bad. At one point, there was a part of Brooklyn where like you couldn't even walk down the block. And there was like like people overdosing in the middle of the street. That was it. Was a few years ago. I really think that it slowed down. I'm not really sure. Um, I've take like for from that end of it i've taken like a serious step back and i've just been very open to what it is that people want to share with me and not even just for me um i hope to give it back so like i'll ask for people to write stories or like make videos for me it's been harder to get videos lately a lot of people want to like you know type something up send it to me and then i'll just like post it on on the instagram but it's I'm trying to share like what it's like being in the thick of it and what motivates people to get out of it. And even like how hard it is to get out of it. Cause I think that that's something that a lot of people don't discuss. No. And it's something that I think needs to be shared because I think that people have this thought of like, I'm going to be sober and my life is going to be amazing. And like me, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> No, but but Instagram filters. There's no filters showing the grind. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there, there's no. All of the filters are fucking pastel and 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 you know like and 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 and, and glowing and sparkling and but there's none of the filters showing grinding. Yeah. Because you know, like I would exaggerate saying that 15 years ill, you know, like 15 years in, every day is a grind. That's not what I'm saying, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a day-to-day -day thing. I'm as far of a beer or, 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 or a joint than you are, or someone that has one day has, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I'm, I'm at the same fucking distance of my, of my, you know, like my, my, my little market there that has um that can get me a six pack and 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 my drug dealer on the corner street that can get me an ounce of of coke or, or, or an ounce of weed you know like i mean i'm at the same fucking distance i'm a phone call away from all of these drugs and alcohol so is it an everyday grind as it is for someone that has a day or a week? No, I mean it's not the same. You know, like you, you, we end the ends. Why, you know, like the statistics says that you know, like after five or ten years, I'm not sure. It's way more um, suicide than relapse that you see mm -hmm. because using is stops being an option. Mm -hmm. um, but, but. Even still, you know, like that Instagram does show very little of how tough it can be. Yeah. Um, and so that's great thing. Last question I got for you, Alisa. Um, where can people find you? Um, so Raw Recovery Talk, it's R-A-Y, I'm sorry, R-A-W, <laughs> Recovery <laughs> Talk. That's at Instagram and YouTube. I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm going to say like every day, if not every day, like every other day. 
Um, my YouTube, it has been a while, but I do have a lot of videos up there. Most of them are of me, but I have some of other people that have shared their um, journey. And it's yep. not just addiction, it's mental health issues as well. So like I'm trying to um, help to get rid of the stigma, you know, put, put a face like that. I feel like that's the biggest thing. You know, the fact that I had to hide behind whatever mask I had to hide behind for such a long time. I want to put a face to what it looks like to be in recovery. Um, so I really promote for people to send me videos. But like I said, I have a lot of um, texts that shared on the Instagram and I have a Facebook group, but it's, I don't know if it's a group or a page. I post from my yeah. Instagram directly onto the Facebook. I'm just not really on that as much. Or um, people can send me an email. Um, I check that every day too. And so uh, for people listening, Elisa uh, is going to send me uh, all of these contact information that I'm going to be attaching to the podcast episode description. So you can find Elisa wherever she, she just mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, you're going to find everything in the in the description below. So um, I have to thank you. You know, like uh, I, you know, like I, people that listens to me uh, on a weekly basis are going to be so fed up of me saying that, but I reach out as a freaking stranger running that podcast and people don't know me and they accept to embark on that journey. And I'm, I'm just humbly, um, super happy that people, um, accept it, you know, like it's so, so thank you. You know, like, I, I have to thank you for, for your openness and, and your, your, uh, your generosity to that, to that full hour. And, um, yeah, I mean, like it was, it was a blast, you know, like I love it because you're, you're pretty much really like of, of the people, you know, like you're an hybrid, you know, like you, you, you're going through both and you think a lot, which, you know, like I, I love that, you know, like I love when people kind of reflect on, you know, I like kind of, what is both missions, mm -hmm. the missions of keeping your sobriety and being, keeping, being abstinent and at the same time you know, like can you can you can i make this compatible with my kind of my um my mission in life you know like or or my professional mission in life which is like trying to help the next of kin you know like so can i can i make this a compatible match and um because you chose that path you know like it is it is a more challenging um path and you know like i love the, the questions you're asking yourself you know like those are Awesome. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alisa. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good night. <laughs>